Welcome to Disclosure. I'm your host for today's program, Jean Boonstra. Disclosure is brought to you by The Voice of Prophecy, and we are located now in the beautiful state of Colorado in downtown Loveland, Colorado. We relocated here from Southern California, where the ministry started, oh, more than 85 years ago. We relocated just about two years ago now, and it's a wonderful place. So if you happen to be traveling through Loveland, Colorado, stop by, and we would love to see you and meet you in person. Well, my guest today is Speranza Pesos, and I am really delighted to have her here with us on the program to have her share her story with you because it's a powerful story. It's it's one that reminds us that no matter the circumstances we find ourselves in at the moment or in life, that there's hope. There is always hope. And, you know, I believe that as you are listening to this program, I don't, I don't know where you are. Maybe you're at home listening on your laptop. Perhaps you're listening on a mobile device walking around your neighborhood. Or probably you're listening in your car while you're driving. And I know that as I've been in seasons of trial and discouragement in my own life, when I was driving, that was an opportune time for me to pray. It's a place of finding quiet space where I could just talk honestly to God. And if our program today meets you in that quiet space where you're struggling with something, I believe that you'll be blessed by this message, this family's journey. God had their hand over them. And you know, James chapter 1 and verses 2 and 3, this verse really reminds me. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You know, the trials and tests of life, they don't need to bring necessarily disappointment or discouragement. Hebrews, that great faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, also has this encouragement for us in verse 27. It says, and it's speaking about Moses, By faith he, Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. These verses and Speranza's story give us a glimpse of the fact that Christian joy and courage, they aren't necessarily based on the circumstances that you find yourself in right now that I found myself in throughout my life. A relationship with Christ gives us something that secular theories and philosophies cannot They give us a framework for intelligently understanding just perhaps why we suffer trials and how to get through them with hope. And my guest today has a beautiful story of hope. Speranza, welcome to Disclosure. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's an honor. Well, um, you are joining us from Orlando, Florida, and there you are busy. You are a wife, a mother. We both have something in common, which is we are proud <laughs> mothers of two daughters. Yes. <laughs> and you also work as the spiritual ambassador coordinator for Florida Hospital, which is a fascinating role, which perhaps we'll have a chance to find out a bit more mm-hmm. about. But you're here today to share a story that happened to you when you were young, one that will absolutely inspire, I'm sure, many of those listening. I know it has already made a difference to me personally, listening and Mm. and reading your story of the journey that God took you on. Mm. So I I have to tell you, let's start right at the beginning. Tell us about where you were born and what the political climate was like as you were growing up. Sure. So I was born and raised actually in Romania and, and under the communist regime, 
of one of the worst um, modern dictators, um, dictator Nicolae Ceausescu. Mm. Um, and as I was growing up, I uh, was born in a family of um, Seventh-day Adventist Christians. And so I grew up with, obviously, the Bible stories and, and learning about Jesus. Um, and so... Um, somewhat sheltered from what was happening outside of our home um, until, um, however, when um, I um, finally reached the point of going to school, which was first grade. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, during um, the communist regime, Romania's um, school system, um, and many years after, was actually from Monday through Saturday, which meant that um, the students had to go to school six days a week. And so that became uh, an interesting uh, point of reference for me. Uh, but as I was growing up, um, you know, the, the Romania, which was used to be a kingdom, mm-hmm. formerly a kingdom, uh, had become really a, a country of portions and rations. We would have to stay in line for hours. Um, just for one um, liter of, of milk or or a kilogram of, of sugar, um, there was absolutely no freedom of of of, um, of press, no freedom of religion. Uh, one out of three, one out of three, was a securitate agent, um, which is the equivalent of a KGB agent. So, so I, one in really three didn't people. Know who we could um, so the regime was very oppressive, uh, and it was a very, very challenging and difficult um, situation to be able to grow up in. Okay. So this is what you're born into, what yes. before you enter the school years, you know, your family kept you a little bit sheltered from, from what was going on. But you describe a situation where one in three were were potentially part of this how now how did you pronounce that securitat securitate <laughs> thank <Securitate>. you <laughs> so yeah, which is yeah. the equivalent i think we are we're all familiar with the Romanian you know KG. the kgb so the equivalent of of what the kgb would be yes. so that's a, a climate where your family wouldn't have a lot of freedom not a lot of no. expression but as a young girl wonderfully you're isolated from that somewhat yes. so was there a sense, even at that young age, that maybe your family, being Christian, that you were different, or were you a little bit oblivious at that early stage? I, I really believe that I was oblivious at that stage. Um, I think that even after I began, which was very interesting, that my parents had the wisdom to not um, impose or even channel me in one direction or another. When I began first grade, mom mom and dad never said, you know, you need to come to church with us on Sabbath. Mm -hmm. They sent me to school. So for literally two years, Mm -hmm. first grade, second grade, I went to school on Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And I began to see the difference. You know, I'm going to school, yet my family is going to church. So um, that began a process in my young head there's something different here. Mm-hmm. What is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was probably the beginning stages for me to realize there is definitely a difference in my family. Mm-hmm. Why is it that, um, you know, that I'm going to school, they're going to church, uh, there, there's definitely something here that I need to think about. Um, and I carry that out, you know, until the third grade. Okay. And, okay. So what happens when you're in third grade? You're about nine years old when you're in third grade, did you have to make a decision? So 
by by the third grade, um, I remember having a conversation with my mom and my dad because I would go to church obviously during vacations, mm-hmm. and um, I I told mom I said you know I, I really want to continue going to church with you during the school year as well, and I remember mom looking at me and saying, "Do you understand what that choice implies?" Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, and, I am nine years old. Yeah. Of course, I didn't understand the implications of that, that kind of a choice at that, at that age. But, of course, my, I was so eager <laughs> to continue going to church with them that I said, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And she said, Speranza, I want to make sure that if you make that choice, honey, that that choice will be yours because this could be what can happen to you if you make that choice. Okay. Uh, your the, the, your your um your colleagues your students will make fun of you. Mm-hmm. They may call your names. Mm-hmm. Things can happen to you. Your grade in character and behavior can be affected. And really, any girl, the, the only people that had a lowered than an A character and behavior grade were the incorrigible students. Mm-hmm. And that actually impacted you all the way through to university because once you had that grade lowered you would be in jeopardy of not being able to uh, to even finish um your your uh, education your amount of education uh nor and it would impact you in your high school and Mm -hmm. most of the time would not allow you to even enter university so an attitude or some rebellious behavior when you're nine years old or younger could travel with you all the way into adulthood. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So you had this this conversation with your mother where she was honest with you. Um, Once you made that choice to follow through with your beliefs, did you start to feel some of those effects that your your mom predicted? Did you get some retaliation from your classmates and your teachers about being a Christian? Yeah. um, It it began slowly mm-hmm. and then and then it continued intensifying uh, to the point where um, various class uh, mates um, would call me uh, names that and, and 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 some names that I would not even you know dare to repeat mm-hmm. um, I remember one young man um, throwing um, stones at me um, oh, at the at the entry gate of the school so that he would make me be late um, and <laughs> And and get even more retaliation from my uh, from my teachers. Um, absolutely, my grade and behavior um, grade was was affected, um, and I received a C <laughs> instead of an A. Mm. And for a girl, that was a huge stigma because sure. that was with me throughout yeah. the whole years. Um, and the climax, I would say, of that persecution. Um, intensify continually, but uh, in seventh grade, that really erupted. Okay. So was there a particular teacher or a situation that happened in seventh grade that really was a, a intensified everything? Sure. So in seventh grade, I had a um, math teacher. Mm-hmm. And by the way, to this day, I, I, I dislike math, I think, because of the consequences and oh, the impact that that teacher made on me. influence on you, yeah. She she was a staunch communist, um, okay. and she began um, the communist propaganda, of course, in the classroom. And when she realized that, I, and by the way, I had math with her um, twice a week, and one of those days was actually on Saturday. Mm, okay. So, 
um, she um, threatened me and she told me that I needed to come to school on Saturday, that I cannot miss her class, and that if I would miss her class, she would fail me. Um, and I, you know, uh, of course, I continued uh, not attending school mm-hmm. uh, on Saturdays. And then she began um, prompting the class, the entire class, discussing my case and my belief system. With the whole with class. The- oh, boy. That would be extremely uncomfortable, to say the least. Yeah. 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 So especially when I was not there. Right. And specifically, uh, I, um, I know this happened for a fact on a, on a Saturday where she told the entire class, I will teach her who is God. Mm. And it's, her God does not exist. God is, is, is our leader. God is Ceausescu, and I will teach her who is God. And, um, and I am forbidding you, each one of you, to give her any notes. And on Monday, when she comes back to school, I will show her who is in charge and what she really needs to do. Oh, wow. Well, Speranza, we have to take a short break, but you've painted for us a picture of what your early years were like growing up in communist Romania, what it was like to be a Christian in that environment, and the challenge you faced. You know, it's tough enough to be a teenager at those early years, but to have a teacher who's a staunch communist standing Mm. against you and turning your classmates really against you. um, Mm. But this is not the end of your story. This is just the beginning. And we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, I want you to hear what happens next in Speranza's life. It's the beginning of a miraculous journey. You're listening to Disclosure. We'll be right back. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers and guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Hey kids, have you ever had questions like, is there anything or anyone out there other than humans? Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today. Welcome back to Disclosure. I'm your host for today's program, Jean Boonstra. And with me in the studio, well, not physically with me, but joining me by phone is Speranza Pesos. And she has an incredible story, which she's chronicled in a book. And if you are on our website and you're watching, I can show it to you now. The book is called Hope 
in present danger. And it's the story of um, God's leading her and, and her family out of um, Romania during the years of the communist regime. It's a wonderful book. I personally read it over the weekend, and I was very, very blessed by it. And we'll have information on where you can find that on our website, vop.com slash disclosure, and just look for the show notes. Well, Speranza, I want to pick up your story here. We ended just before the break talking about what it was like to grow up as a a young girl in a Christian family, some of those choices you had to make there in a communist regime. Mm -hmm. Now, at the age of 14, your life journey changed dramatically. Tell us what happened. So um, at the at the age of fourteen, um, and and by the way, um, I just wanted to go quickly back to sure. the, the the math teacher mm-hmm. um, because uh, as as I had mentioned before, um, she had forbidden all of my classmates to give me any notes right. and wanted to make sure that um, I was going to be ridiculed in front of the in front of the entire class. That Sunday after Saturday, I heard a knock on my door, mm-hmm. and um, several of the students had come and brought oh. me the note and gave me the warning uh-huh. of what the teacher was going to do that following week with me. Mm-hmm. And I was so grateful, um, yet I was so scared. And so I remember mom and dad just praying with me and saying, you know what? God is with you. Mm-hmm. Go and know that God is with you. Mm-hmm. And so that week, sure enough, the following week, she called me to the blackboard. She gave me a huge compass. Mm-hmm. And uh, and asked me to draw angles. Um, I did it the best that I could. The chalk in the compass, however, was faulty, was loose. I was so scared, and um, I terrified to tell her anything. Mm-hmm. She sent me back to my seat and told me I have a three. Oh. Now, some of us may not be familiar with what a three means. Yeah, tell us. A four was an F. Oh. So. Worse than a fail. Right, Mm -hmm. was was a slap in the face. And I remember just wondering and not knowing how I'm going to go back home and tell my parents now that I had an F in math. And so so all of those things Mm -hmm. were just beginning to erode at my heart. Mm -hmm. But having gone through all of that, truly nothing prepared me for the day when my parents sat me down after having received the phone call where I watched my dad run to the telephone, mm-hmm. picking up the phone, and and begin to cry uncontrollably and saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And I thought, what happened? Who was in such danger? Who's alive? Mm-hmm. And then it was my mom and dad that motioned me after dad hung up the phone, motioned me to sit down. And it was at that moment that my parents began to tell me the plan that they had to escape Romania. My uncle, who had been um, a weightlifting coach, had been approached by the KGB, by the Romanian KGB, mm-hmm. and told to be an informant in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Mm. And my Not uncle given a requested- choice. He was just told that this is what he would do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Okay. He was asked, but when you are asked in a communist regime, you are not really asked. Sure. Right. right. And so he requested a couple of days to think about it. Of course, he was never going to do that, mm-hmm. but he asked for some time so he can figure out how he can get away. Um, he connected with a friend of his, paid him a large sum of money. The person lived on the border of what was then Yugoslavia, on the Blue Danube. That man lowered my uncle in the Danube 
at the midnight switching of the guards. Wow. And my uncle swam across the Danube into what was then Yugoslavia and then walked his way into Trieste, Italy. My parents did not know if he was dead or alive for over a week until that phone call came. And it was then that my parents told me, we need to leave. We must escape because now our family is in danger. And so at 14, I feel like my head is spinning. I Mm -hmm. just hear now that my uncle had just escaped. It's a matter now of days before the communist regime puts all of this together because my other aunt and uncle had escaped into into, uh, Austria. So it was just our family that was left, and it was a matter of just a short amount of time before the communist regime would put all of these pieces together and we would be in 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 terrible danger. Yeah, grave danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, grave danger. So your so, fam is so this is the first you're hearing about this. Your yes. parents have kept this information under wraps just for the right. safety of you, I I'm sure. They didn't want you to accidentally slip some piece of information. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So, I, so I, sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, so so this was this this is the first time that I'm hearing about it, and I'm thinking, so now what? Yeah. What do we do? How can we get away? And it was at that point that my mom and dad began to to express to me that their plan had been to to actually um, go on a trip um, to to Germany, um, but that trip had been denied, mm-hmm. um, and so the only other option would be for us to apply uh, for my mom and I now. For, for an excursion, excursion in, in quotation marks, of course, um, to Turkey, to Istanbul, Turkey. Okay. So the, f- the first steps of the plan are now revealed to you, and I can only imagine how you were processing that. And I remember reading in, in your book, Speranza, that you had to get permission, you had to go to your school and yes. face your, your principal or your vice principal to get actually permission to leave on this trip with your mother. Correct. So now let's fast forward slightly. You and your mom... The plan is you are going to go on what to the authorities would appear to be just a little mini vacation just across yeah. the border, a couple of borders into Turkey. Right. But the two of you alone, leaving your father, your little sister, your grandparents behind. So that's that's the first part of the trip. How does that all come together? So um, we we did uh, first when when I heard of this, uh, the first question was, "What about Dad? What about yeah. you? What about my little sister who's four years old?" Mm. And it's at that moment that Dad says, "It's just you. You'd realize that we have to stay behind as assurance mm-hmm. that you would come back." Yeah. We cannot travel together. You need to go. And so we don't know. We apply, of course, for this excursion. Yes. Um, we do get the permission from my school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we apply. And we do not find out whether or not we have been approved for this excursion except hours, literally the afternoon before 6 o'clock departure the following mm-hmm. day. And so within two weeks, we found out that we were approved. But it was literally hours before before we were to leave that morning. And so as that morning came about, I remember clearly uh, my dad looking, uh, to, my parents were photographers, so my father um, pulled out his camera that gave he gave to my mom. He pulled out of the camera the film, and in the spool of the film, he inserted 
300 Deutschmarks. If anyone during the communist regime was caught having foreign currency, that would immediately be uh, a red flag and thrown in prison. So that, mm. that was a big no-no. So mm-hmm. my father inserted these 300 Deutschmarks in the camera spool and gave the camera to my mom and said, be careful with this. You know what can happen yeah. if they find it. And then I watched my mom walk towards my little sister. This is early, early in the morning. Um, walking towards my little sister who's just sleeping peacefully. She's four years old. Mm-hmm. And she bends over and she kisses her. I, I, I just can't imagine as a mother. I, I think I can kind of imagine, but to actually experience that. Oh, were you able as a teenager to see the pain that that was for your mother to have to say goodbye to her youngest child? Um, I remember, I don't think it, I don't think I processed all of that un, until I myself became a mother. Yeah, makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember mom just putting her hands to her beautiful mm-hmm. uh, chocolate hair and just looking at her, mm-hmm. although, as though as though just saying, you know, when you wake up, you will not see your mommy. Yeah. But it's because I love you, because I want you to live in a place where you can freely worship God, that mm-hmm. I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. But know that I love you, and know that God will protect you mm-hmm. and hope to see you again. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it took me a while to finally understand. I just remember that image. The, the image stayed with you. Image, yeah. And, yeah. 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 And then re- I remember my grandfather just praying a beautiful prayer blessing, asking God to protect us, to care for us, and to get us to freedom Mm -hmm. and and hope to see each other again. Mm. So you and your family made that difficult, difficult decision that you and your mother would go. So you are approved for this. You get on the bus. You must have been terrified going through those checkpoints with those um, Deutschmarks hidden inside the camera, knowing that if at any moment they'd been discovered, I'm, would it have been death to both of you or imprisonment for sure? For sure, imprisonment. Imprisonment, for sure. For sure. Imprisonment. Yeah. Probably much worse for my father. Yeah. Um, but um, what's interesting is that as, as we were waiting for the bus, um, you know, we were supposed to go uh, into the bus within the next 45 minutes or so. And so I was hungry and my dad said, I'm going to go grab you something to eat. And um, as he did, the, the tour guy said, you know what, we are going to be boarding the bus sooner than anticipated. And all I remember is looking at my mom and saying, what about dad? And I don't know what my face must have looked like, but my dad had warned me that I had to be careful because there were informants, there were securitate agents in that trip, and I had to be very, very careful. Mm -hmm. So I remember mom just squeezing my hand almost as a reminder, watch out, you are being watched. Mm -hmm. And so we got on the bus, and I was just looking desperately for my dad. Were you able to to find him? I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> it's emotional, isn't it? I yeah I, yeah. I just can't imagine what it was like for you having to get on a bus, act like you and your mom were just going on a yeah. shopping excursion, you know, nothing out of the ordinary, and right. yet you had no assurance that you would right. see your father again and not being able to hug him goodbye. Right. Yeah. 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 We're going to take a, a short break here, Speranza, but um, 
We've heard the beginning of your story. You're growing up in, in communist Romania. The plan now. The plan for your family to find freedom. And I can only imagine the fear and the trembling that you set out on that journey with. But God was with you. You had that hope in your heart. And you listening, I don't know what difficult circumstances you're in. But just like Speranza had that hope in her heart, you can have that same hope and assurance with you, no matter the circumstances of your uh, journey right now. Well, we are at the bottom of our program, and on some stations we're going off the air. But if we do go off the air now at the end of the half hour, I know you want to hear the rest of this story. So join us at VOP.com slash disclosure. Otherwise, stay with us right here, and we'll be right back after this short break. Creation. Evolution. Where did the world come from? Where did you come from? Were you created in an instant? Did you evolve from another animal or life species? These are issues that are discussed in classrooms, textbooks, and sometimes around your break table at work when the conversation suddenly turns serious. These kinds of questions are answered in our free Discover Bible Guides. These 26 beautifully illustrated guides cover all the major themes of the Bible, and they answer some of the hardest questions of life. You can get your free copy just for the asking by contacting me. Go to VOP.com and click on the tab that says Study. That's VOP.com, the tab that says Study, or phone me, 888-456-7933. That's 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides, available just for the asking. Welcome back to Disclosure. I'm your host for today, Jean Boonstra, and today my guest is Speranza Pesos. She has an incredible story, a story of hope. God led her and and her family out of communist Romania. Um, It was a difficult journey, a dangerous journey. But throughout that journey, they had hope. And uh, Speranza, you have chronicled your story in a book that you have entitled Hope in Present Danger, the perfect mm. title for for um, what you went through in that time in your life. Mm. You know, just before the break, we sort of left you and your mother um, on a curb almost waiting to say goodbye to your father and you weren't able to hug him goodbye. But I want to fast forward just a little bit because I want to make sure we're able to tell your whole story. So you and your mother get on that bus for what is, according to the authorities, just a little excursion over Hmm. to Turkey for a few days. But you and your family know the truth, which is the fact that this is the beginning, the first step of your family's plan to flee Romania, to, to find freedom. So I, I remember the descriptions, and, and you're a wonderful writer. The The language you use just took me straight into that Turkish bazaar. So you're with a tour group, you and your mother shop, <clears throat> shopping, and you have a plan. So yeah. tell us what happens. Sure. So um, my uh, the plan that my mom had um, was that somehow, some way, we would um, separate ourselves 
um, from the group mm-hmm. um, during the trip when we were going to the bazaar. Um, the bazaar is, uh, if you have, uh, <laughs> if you have been in Istanbul, the bazaar is actually pretty much a, a city underneath the city of Sounds Istanbul. Sounds beautiful. So, yeah, it's it's huge. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the night before, I remember just trying to put um, my clothes into the bag, and uh, Mom said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I'm getting the clothes for tomorrow." And she said, "Honey, um, you cannot do that. Mm-hmm. The only thing we can take for tomorrow is this camera that has the 300 Deutschmarks. If anyone would discover you have clothes in that bag, that would be a dead giveaway. You." are going to just have to leave everything behind. And so at 14, you know, yeah, <laughs> thinking, difficult. what am I going to wear? Sure. What am I going <laughs> to... It was just, yeah. just really, really difficult. Um, and so we went into the bazaar, and so the hope and the plan was that somehow, some way, we would make our way out after everyone has gotten into the depths of the bazaar mm-hmm. and hopefully get into a taxi and make our way to the uh, um, Austrian embassy because, as I mentioned before, my aunt and uncle had requested already a political asylum in Austria. So our hope was that we can um, make it to that Austrian embassy and then they would send us to Austria. That way we could be together with our family. Okay. So that's that's your your plan. And if I recall correctly, that's the extent of your plan. You had one goal, get in that cab, get to the uh, Austrian embassy and seek political asylum. Yes. So you were able to do that. What happened when you got to the embassy? Um, so when we got to the embassy, um, and, and that's a, that's an entire story altogether, <laughs> yes. but when we got to the embassy, we were actually told, um, that we could not be helped by them, that they couldn't help us. Yeah. And they began to tell us why. Um, later on, we found out that the immigration law does not allow you to overstep um, a country that is already democratic. So we were already in Turkey. We had to be, by immigration laws, we had to be processed within the country of Turkey. We could not bypass Turkey and be sent to Austria. So literally, as we came out of the Austrian embassy, my mom at 34 years old, me at 14, two Mm -hmm. women in a Muslim country, Mm -hmm. two Christian women in a Muslim country, a mother and a daughter, we literally sat ourselves on the edge of, um, of a ledge uh, on the street and did not speak, did not know what to say. All we heard was, we cannot help you. Well, and, and the adrenaline and the fear and the anxiety of, of just getting into that cab and right. getting there and to then to right. be met with a wall. I just can't imagine the emotions that were racing through you, or or were you almost numb to it at that point? I remember we were silent for quite a long time. I I didn't say anything. Mom didn't say anything. Mm. And, And... after this was the only plan we had. It wasn't like plan A out of plan B or right, C. Right. It was the only plan. Yeah. We were in a metropolis where we did not speak the language. We knew not, not a soul. We had no other plan. We were in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and we had no one that we can turn to except our God. Oh, yeah. No one. And so I remember after a long, what it felt like a long time, mm-hmm. mom said, maybe the bus will pass by here and we can go back home. Oh, so in other words, give up and, and say give we up. tried, and, but yeah. But instead, what happened? So at that moment, mm-hmm. when I heard those words, 
it was almost like someone just woke me up. And I said, Mom, there is no way we can go back home. They would kill us if we were to go back home. And so at that very moment, as she said those words, I remember seeing someone across the street who was in uniform, and I said, Mom, let's go. Maybe he can help us. Mm -hmm. And so we crossed the street. We got to this gentleman who was in uniform. I began speaking to him in French because I spoke French. He didn't speak any French, but obviously he understood that we needed help. He took us around the corner, and unbeknownst to us, right there was actually a police station. They could not help us, but they got us to someone who spoke French where I was able to explain to them that we were seeking political asylum due to the religious persecution we had suffered. We were here on an excursion. We did not want to come back, go back to Romania because of everything that has happened. Can they help us? They then placed, uh, they explained to us that they would place us in a taxi. They would take us to the police headquarters, and then there we would be able to be helped. Um, and that was exactly what happened when we got to the police station, to the headquarters. It was a sea of police cars, and I remember that after several hours, where the only word that my mom could understand and hear was the word harem, that was the only word she could understand, they motioned to us Mm -hmm. and put us in a van. The van looked like it was an Alfred Hitchcock movie scene. Mm. Um, there were sheets on the stand on the seats. Mm-hmm. There was a bulb dangling, you know, from the from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. There were absolutely no windows except a small little grill in the corner. Mm-hmm. And the the van took off. We had no idea where we were taken. We had no idea what was going to happen to us. And after what seemed like a long time, I remember telling my mom, it is so dark in here. I am so scared. Mm-hmm. And mom just holding me and reminding me that God is with us. And I remember her words, Speranza, focus on the light. Look in that corner. Focus on the light. If you focus on the light, darkness will disappear. Oh, amen. Amen. So um, as we continued on, we finally heard the van um, slowing down. And then we heard these huge iron gates reverberate as they were opening. And we heard this boom, 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 this huge gates hitting the walls. And I just burst into tears, and I knew at that moment that we arrived in prison mm-hmm. and that they were going to kill us. Mm. I I just can't imagine how terrifying that would be. Y- you and your mother, two young women, your mother was very young, too. Yeah. Um, you can't speak the language. You can't even see the streets, the roads that they're driving uh-huh. you down. And then suddenly to feel like you've landed in prison. What happened when they finally opened those van doors? So, um... I don't know what our faces must have looked like, Hmm. probably pure terror. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember when those doors opened, we looked down, and we were literally parked in a room, and there was carpet on the floor. And then we heard a voice speaking to us in Romanian. And there was a tall gentleman with salt and pepper hair, and I will never forget that man's face. Mm-hmm. Because he said, you are safe now in Romanian, in our own language. You can come out. You are safe now. Mm-hmm. And we, we were stuck. We could not come out. We could not even move. 
And I remember him extending his hand to my mom and saying again, you are safe. Mm. You are what safe. You an are assurance. Safe. What an yeah. assurance. Yeah. So where were you? Were you at another embassy or where did you end up? I, yes, we were at the intelligence headquarters. And okay. so um, when we got out of the van, we mm-hmm. saw in the corner the American flag. Oh. And so that, seeing that symbol mm-hmm. of freedom, we realized that we were safe. And so this was the intelligence headquarters where they were taking every single possible um, refugee or Mm -hmm. someone who was seeking political asylum Mm -hmm. to be interrogated Mm -hmm. to see whether or not they were spies or they were legitimate um, uh, people seeking seeking political asylum. Right. And, And of course, this was at the height of the Cold War. So... A, a claim yeah. a 79 okay yeah. so a claim of of wanting political asylum would have to be heavily scrutinized Absolutely. so you end up here this kind gentleman who can speak to you in your mother tongue i just can't imagine how reassuring that was so did he help you then transition to a path of freedom what was the next step for you? Yes, absolutely. So usually the uh, the entire process of uh, whether or not uh, of interrogation would be between three to five days. Okay. Uh, he quick, quickly realized that we were not spies. And so um, within a, a day and a half, we were actually approved to be placed in a refugee camp. And so from that, we ended up in a refugee camp um, and um, where we stayed for several months months, Mm -hmm. um, where uh, conditions, of course, deplorable. Um, No one is made for a refugee camp. It was very difficult. Mm -hmm. But yet at the same time, it was a safe place. And um, we were able to to communicate with 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 our with my dad mm-hmm. to let him know to that we know were well okay. and we were alive, um, and uh, so that began the process of the the possibility of reunification mm-hmm. uh, with our family, mm-hmm. but. One thing that I want to mention is that it is, which was a very difficult process, very challenging. We were told that um, uh, oftentimes the reunification of the family could take up to five years. Oh, so just imagine hearing my little that. It was yeah. four years old. Right. Four years old. Five years. Mm-hmm. That was the that was uh, the 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 amount of time that it could take up to. Um, and so that was very, very challenging. We also heard while we were in the refugee camp that um, Ceausescu, the, the dictator, mm-hmm. had passed a law to stop all reunifications of the families. And I remember mom saying, I have to go back. I cannot live without my family. Mm-hmm. So very challenging times, very difficult times. Mm-hmm. At the same time, in that amazing place, what I have to mention is the fact that I often thought about the fact that God has chosen a cradle of safety for us, which was actually a Muslim country for a Christian family. Hmm. Well, Speranza, we're going to have to take a short break, but I'm, I'm glad you shared that just before the break, because this harrowing journey, the anxiety, the separation from your father and your little sister, and the pure terror that you and your mother experienced, finally you met someone who could speak in your mother tongue. You know, I think of how um, when we all get to heaven, we're all going to understand God. It's it. 
your description made me think of what that experience will be like. And in the midst of all of this, you had the hope that God was with you. So we're going to take a short break, but I want to hear the rest of your story, and particularly just how you and your mother got through this trying circumstance, your entire family. You're listening to Disclosure. We'll be right back right after this quick break. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions? Like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Does my life really matter to God? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter the most to you. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Earthquakes, tornadoes, wildfires. Around us, homes are being lost, lives are threatened, and some people are asking the question, does God even care about me? The Bible answers that question, and what it says is very encouraging. Find out what God says regarding this topic and some of life's greatest issues in our free Discover Bible Guides. Go to VOP.com and click on Study, or call us 888-456-7933. Welcome back to Disclosure. You've joined us in the final segment of today's program. And don't fear, if you missed the first three segments, they are all on our website, vop.com slash disclosure, where you can not only listen to the program, but you can actually watch us as well. Well, today I am talking to Speranza Pesos. And Speranza, you've been sharing just the incredible journey that your family went on as you, as a Christian family, chose to escape communist Romania. And just before the break, you described the process, the the first phase of your escape, um, and then getting to the American intelligence area where you were cleared to make sure you weren't spies in the midst of a Cold War era. Um, You met someone who was kind, and he got you off to a refugee camp. But I want to pick back up where you you started to describe before the break, which was the reason you were able to get through this experience. God was with you and your mother. Yes, absolutely. Um, And I, I, I remember throughout the entire process, Every time I was afraid, Mom would say, would remind me, you need to believe, you need to know that Jesus is with us. He will not leave us. He is with us. He is with us. He will get us through. He is our hope. He's our strength constantly. So the source of our strength was constantly God and my mom reminding us that no matter what happens, God will not leave us. What is absolutely Amen. incredible also was a, uh, uh, the, how God actually revealed to us 
also a Seventh-day Adventist church in Turkey uh, during our stay in the refugee camp and how we actually received permission from the um, security officer, uh, which was which was very difficult to receive, uh, to leave the camp every Saturday and actually be um, part of, of, of the believers um, and how God helped us to find that, that group of believers um, in Istanbul, Turkey, oh, where yeah. we had no address. We had no idea how to find them and how right. that security officer from the camp helped us to find the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Istanbul, Turkey. And that became our refuge um, where we would spend our Sabbaths with other believers, knowing and being strengthened by their love mm-hmm. and by, by their help and by their encouragement. Mm-hmm. So you're you're in this refugee camp. Yes. Um, for how many months are you and your mother there? For six months. Six months. You're able to find um, believers that yes. uh, fellowship and worship as you do to spend those days with. What a wonderful encouragement and blessing. You're able to talk to your, your father occasionally and, and keep those family connections together. But yes. six months is, is a long time wondering yes. what's going to happen next. Absolutely. Um and and as you said, you know, it wasn't like you're in a luxury hotel, you're in a refugee camp, you just had right. the basics of life. So when did you finally hear word that you could leave the refugee camp? And, and where did you head to next? So we were um, actually transferred from Turkey. Uh, we were transferred to Italy, where we stayed for another three months. So pretty okay. much eight months. Wow. Um, we were in a refugee in a refugee camp situation, mm-hmm. um, and then afterwards um, we were approved um, and we received a visa um, to, uh, to to make our way to the United States. Um, so we arrived in the United States um, in um, in 1980 in the beginning of the year 1980, okay. um, and we began um, the process now of helping my my dad and my little sister to 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 get and and to be be reunified as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned to you, typically a family reunification could take up to five years. Yes. Um, in an incredible way, in miraculous circumstances, um, God opened up the way, and we were reunif- reunified with our family um, in 13 months, which was months. a long time, but an incredibly short time wow. compared to what others had experienced. Oh, yeah. That is a wonderful miracle. So you and you and your mom are, are in the refugee camps for mm, right around eight months. When yes. you got to the U.S., did you have any family to greet you or, or to help you with that transition we did my okay. aunt and uncle who had been refugees in austria mm-hmm. had arrived previous to us several months oh, before okay. and my uncle had also arrived as well so it was my aunt and uncle that actually Wonderful. took care of us and that was an incredible blessing yeah. um to be able to receive that that assistance so we came and they were the ones that um actually opened their doors okay oh well praise god and just less than a year well, just over a year, this entire sequence of events happens where yes. your family is reunited on, right. in freedom. I, mm. I, I can't imagine what mm. that day was like. I'm, I'm sure it's embedded in your memory forever of what it was like when you finally got to hug your dad because you weren't able to hug him goodbye. What was that right. like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
and and I yeah it, it, and it will stay uh, in my in my mind etched forever because I remember you know just going to LAX um, mm-hmm. and 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 watching that plane land and and just pressing my nose against the against the window and and just wondering when is he going to come out when is he going to come out <laughs> yeah. um, and everyone seemed to have walked off the plane and finally it was as though he was the last one to come mm. um, off the plane and and here he held this pretty beautiful little girl just half asleep um on his shoulders you know in his in his arms and i remember just running towards him almost stumbling over him and just holding him and and we just began just to weep mm-hmm. because this was the first time we were able to hold each other um in in that many months mm-hmm. in over a year mm-hmm. and finally being able to be together as a family uh no matter what was lost no matter what had happened, God had made a way for us to be together. He, he, um, he made a way. Mm-hmm. He made a way, and He was faithful to His promise. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Yes, and yes. He did that. Yes. and that just makes me think of that incredible reunion that God will have for us. And I, all I could picture was our heavenly Father. How long does He yearn for us? Mm-hmm. to just wrap his arms around us and and that day when he will come and pick us pick us up and go home mm-hmm. that wonderful reunion the yeah. greatest of all reunions mm-hmm. well yeah. speranza um I know there are there are people listening right now who mm. likely did not go through the circumstances that you went through, although there could be people who very much experienced what you did and, and, and have been blessed by remembering their own journeys of escaping from a communist regime. But mm. I know there are people who are listening, and, and their trials are likely very different from yours. Mm. They may mm. be facing a situation where they've lost work and they can't pay the bills. Perhaps they mm. have a sick child or a sick spouse. Um what would you say to them to give them hope and encouragement during what might seem like an impossible or a hopeless situation? Hmm. So the only thing that carried me through and carried us through um, was the assurance that we were not alone, Mm -hmm. that God is with us, that God will make a way just like he promised. And I think the promise of Isaiah forty one ten and thirteen that mm-hmm. is reverberating in my mind and in my heart. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, because I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So that to me is the source of my strength. And as far as someone that might be going through a situation where they're not employed, they don't know how to pay their bills, Mm -hmm. I can tell you right now, my husband has been unemployed for the past 10 months. Mm -hmm. However, our God has been our strength. And somehow, some way, he has been our provider. Has it been easy? No. Is it difficult? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like sometimes you want to give up? Absolutely. But the only way I know that I can keep on going is holding on to God's promises and knowing without a doubt that I don't walk this journey alone, and neither do you. Amen. Amen. Well, that's knowing that current situation that you're in, Speranza, just is an additional encouragement to me, really, because your your circumstances are difficult, but 
you still have that hope in your voice. It pervades everything you say. And I know that you're still clinging to him. And that gives me comfort and assurance that in spite of any of the circumstances we find ourselves in, God is the same. He's always yes. the same. And we are never, ever alone. Well, your book, which uh, I mentioned earlier, is titled Hope in Present Danger. It's extremely well written. It's very interesting. The rich detail that you give um, really brings your story to life. I have to ask you, what prompted you to share your story in book form? Mm. Well, it wasn't, uh, it certainly wasn't me. <laughs> and it wasn't uh, me getting up one morning and saying, oh, I think I'm going to just recount everything that I have gone through. Um, uh-huh. I, I feel it was a direct, um, dire- it was a direct request from the Lord and saying, I want you to share what I have done for you. And literally for two years, I have done everything possible not to do what God had asked me to do, because that was a very painful memory. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel like my story had really uh, any any uh, it was going to have that kind of an impact on anyone else that's my story so you know this is what I went through so how can that bless someone else Um, after two years after I actually began writing somebody else's story that ended up came to a screeching that process came to a screeching halt and Mm -hmm. I was crying out to the Lord and saying God why did this come to a screeching halt I was going to write the story on faith and prayer and that would definitely uh, bless people's hearts and the response was I never told you to write anybody else's story. I told you to write what I have done for you, and Ah. I will determine whether or not this will be a blessing. So now, are you going to be obedient? Are you going to do what I have asked you to do? And from that day on, Jean, Mm -hmm. I decided, okay, God, if you are asking me to do this, then you are going to have to write the story. So every single day, I would kneel down and say, God, I only want to be the funnel, just the funnel. You write your story, and you decide which way this is going to go. And so um, every single step of the story has been through prayer and uh, knowing that really, truly, God is the author of this story. It is His story. And I know that because it is His story, it will be a blessing to others because He is our hope, no matter the danger. Oh, amen. Well, Speranza, I am so glad that you followed his prompting and that you shared your story. And it has been a blessing to me, and I I believe it has been a blessing to those who are listening right now. I want to ask that God will be with you as you go about your work there in Orlando, Florida, as spiritual ambassador, which sounds like a wonderful fit for you there, encouraging employees who want to um, provide that spiritual encouragement, no matter their capacity in the hospital system. They want to act as spiritual leaders. So thank you, Speranza, for joining us today on Disclosure. Thank you so much. Well, and you listening, you may join us on our website, vop.com slash disclosure, where you can not only listen to and watch this program, there is a lot of other really good stuff on that website, too. If you listen to our um, ads during the breaks about Bible studies, that's where you can find our Bible studies as well. Click on the tab at the top of the page that says study, and it will take you directly to those Bible lessons. Um, And we would love to hear from you. Our address is there on the website as well. So thank you for joining us today. I I hope that you take away from this that you can have hope. You are never alone, no matter the circumstances of your life. I'm Jean Boonstra, and you have been listening to Disclosure.